listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On The Road is proudly brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving level crossing safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. And NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day and welcome back to episode 80 of On The Road. This week we're focusing on this Sunday's Harmony Day event that's been organised by our very own Mike Williams and the amazing man behind Turbans for Australia, Amar Singh. You'll find out all about this great event as Mike chats with Amar as well as Chris Smith on Radio 2GB. In our feature interview, Mike has a yarn with on-the-road regular guest Trevor Warner and in the next instalment of our Aussie homegrown music series, I'm joined by two Aussie country music legends, Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham. Of course, we bring you all the latest from the On The Road newsroom and a whole lot more. You're in the right place and it's the right time. So let's get this show on the road. Yes, get on with it. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers. And when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road. But when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Now for something completely different. Mike, yeah, you've got Harmony Day coming up very, very shortly. We have, mate, Sunday the 20th. That's shortly. That is shortly, mate. That's this Sunday. <laughs> it's like two days from today. Like two days from today, yeah. Can't fool me. <laughs> well, you must be getting pretty excited. It's a big deal. I was looking through the poster you got there. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm just so sorry that I'm not close enough to be able to get down there. I'm sorry you're not close enough to be down here too, mate, because the information that I have that is just about everyone's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Our awesome sponsors, NTI and Truck Assist, they're going to be there, and the NHBR are going to be there. Yeah. Everyone has been pushing it through their social media. We're just all excited about what's going on. A lot of work has gone into it from Amar and the guys at Turbans for Australia, and we're just looking forward to getting it done. I'm looking forward to having a go at the petting zoo. Okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Might even have a go at the jumping castle. There should be some very weird photos circulating on social media by Sunday afternoon, I'd say. (laughs) Well, either that or on the front page of the paper and the 7 o'clock news. (laughs) Well, I hope we don't get on the 7 o'clock news, mate. That won't be good. But there's barbecue, food stalls, so I reckon I'll be able to work on putting on a couple of kilos and some fireworks at about 4 o'clock for the kids Sunday afternoon. I just hope we have a good day. I heard it was open bar your shout too. Open bar, my shout. No? No, there's not going to be any alcoholic beverages there, mate. I think the strongest thing you'll find there is Coke. All right. It's probably a good thing. We're going to have some big shiny trucks there. People have opportunity to get up and have a look. The event's open to the public as well as the trucking industry, so I'll be there and uh, give away a few caps and pens and things, and mm-hmm. looks like it'll be a fun day. 
And mate, daytime fireworks, how does I've never heard of that. You've never heard of daytime fireworks? No, no. I don't get out much, Mike. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that, you know. Uh, probably wise. There's a couple of jokes there, I suppose, but we probably won't do any of them. I'm sworn off jokes now that everyone thinks my dad jokes are terrible. So. <laughs> Serious Andy from now on. Serious Andy from now on. Yep. Yeah, that'll last about 10 minutes, I reckon. Or at least until the next episode. <laughs> hey, no, daytime fireworks, mate. Have a Google and have a look. Some of it's really spectacular, and I think we've got a bit of a show laid on. It's going to be something to see, I think. You're going to get some video for the webpage, mate? And... I'll take the drone down and maybe see if we can get a bit of drone footage as well. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Just don't crash it in. Don't crash it. Yeah, I'll have to think about that. I need practice. Oh, it's a good place to practice, but... So anyone planning on heading down, bring your helmets. <laughs> There'll be plenty to crash into. Keep your eyes up. That's right. Uh, it just looks brilliant. And in spite of a few people that might have been troublesome along the way, it's a wonderful thing that you guys are doing. And Amar's a legend and you're a legend and good on you for doing it. Well, mate, we've just got to get out there. I mean, it starts with communication, a bit of mutual respect. Absolutely. We hope that this day is the first open door to maybe make some of that happen. Yep. Let people know that we can talk. I mean, after all, we're all truck drivers. We're all trying to make a quid. We're all trying to put a roof over our heads and feed the kids. Yep. It's important. We've got to get on. Well, mate, good luck to you all. I hope it goes well. Look forward to seeing the photos. Look forward to hearing any taking it to the street pieces you can grab, chatting with people around there. Look forward to the video. Yeah. And look forward, hopefully, not to seeing you on the news or on the <laughs> front page of the paper. Well, I hope I'm on the front page of the paper but for something nice. For all the right reasons, yeah. For all the right reasons. Sounds cool. It's a two for the price of one music interview this week as we're joined by two of the biggest names in Aussie country music. Each a megastar in their own right, they've come together to produce a musical partnership that'll knock your socks off. 13 times Golden Guitar winner, host of ABC Radio's Saturday Night Country Program, presenter on Channel 7's Sydney Weekender, and country music sweetheart Felicity Urquhart has teamed up with fellow musician Josh Cunningham. Josh is also a producer, co-founder of the hugely successful band The Waifs, and has worked alongside the likes of Bob Dylan, Missy Higgins and Keith Urban. Together, they've formed a dynamic duo that's already produced an album titled The Song Club, which has gone straight to number one on the Aria Country album charts, has attracted a bunch of Golden Guitar nominations, and they're about to hit the road with their Wanna Go There national tour. They met through a collective of musicians called The Song Club, where participants challenge each other to write a song to a particular brief each week. Now, not only did they find a wonderful musical partnership together, they also fell in love. Talk about a fairy tale happy ending. I had the opportunity to meet with Felicity and Josh earlier this week, and here's the chat that we had. Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham, thanks for dropping by for a chat. Absolute pleasure, Andy. Yeah, nice to be with you, Andy. Now, I mentioned in the intro how you got together initially at Song Club. Can you tell us a little bit about what Song Club is and how it brought the two of you together? Yeah, well, we hold our friend Sam Hawksley responsible for the headaches that he created every <laughs> week. <laughs> Come Thursday night, seconds actually before midnight, we had to hand our songs in. They were an individual write and we were as part of the club with about eight other writers it was really great and no one gives you a score. You don't get marked on it. There's no winners, losers or results. Sure. It's just an effort that you put into yourself and you really, I don't know, you want to be accountable and do a good job and keep improving, I guess, week after week. 
to hand in songs that your peers are going to be listening to. I remember the first week being worried what Josh might think of my song. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Little did I know what would unfold. <laughs> and what did you think, Josh? Well, I always thought very highly of Fliss's gifts as a songwriter and a singer. Sure. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. I think one of the, the great things about it, it, we got into it in the early stages of you know the whole lockdown experience. So at a time when we weren't able to be out on the road and playing music live, it gave us an avenue for doing music and being creative, but also the community that came along with it. I mean, I feel like I've got friends that will endure for a long time through Song Club, and I've never even physically met them. It was just... <laughs> You know, kind of through email, back and forth through that experience of the song club. So it was a really great thing and a very timely thing. Yeah, it's a wonderful concept. As a writer myself, I know when you've got those dry spells, having people there to encourage you and support you and perhaps give you a little bit of a push probably isn't such a bad thing. Well, that's right. And I think mostly we all had a preamble of what our week entailed. There was homeschooling going on at that time too. I had radio commitments and it was just the full juggle. And then I had to deliver a song and you had to put the audio and lyrics attached. So there'd be a preamble of me whinging most weeks about (laughs) how I didn't enjoy my week. So there was a lot of reflecting about that often in my songs anyway. But Josh seemed to nail it every week. We'd just lift the bar and we'd think, oh, how does he do it? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I think it's, you know, you're always our own worst critics. Yes. I had a lot of disclaimers in my introduction to my songs as well. And I very rarely ever felt entirely confident with what I'd produced and felt very self-conscious to be putting it forward to the group. But it was a very gentle, loving bunch. Yeah. It helped me a lot in that respect. Yeah. What a great way to go. Now, the Song Club album, it's a great collection of, and I'm quoting here, of joyous, harmony-filled songs, which now I've had a listen, it is, and it's taken the Aussie country music scene by storm. How did the album come about? Well, we thought as we had all these songs together and and then we started collaborating ourselves and actually writing a few tunes, Mm. we thought we should do a gig or a couple of gigs, and then we thought if we're going to do a gig, (laughs) we should have something recorded. And because I have the studio here at home, That's what we did. And we spoke to my manager and she said, well, hang on, if you're going to record something, we better run it past your record label. And I was like, oh, that'd be wonderful. And they were excited by the idea. Next thing you know, we've got a deadline to deliver an album. (laughs) It just kind of happened. Yeah. What was the old song? Who sung that one thing leads to another? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one thing leads to another. (laughs) Yeah. The deadline was such that we had about a week to do all the tracking in Felicity's studio. And then I had to go across to Western Australia to do some shows with the Waifs. Yeah. But at the time, that required two weeks of quarantine. So I took my laptop and all the files that we'd recorded and sat there and did a bit of editing and cleaning things up and made use of that time. And while I was in Western Australia, also happened to be able to get together with James Newhouse, who mixed the album, hmm. and then got back and literally it was straight off to mastering and in you Tasmania. Know, in Tasmania <laughs> and then like a few days later, we were ready. <laughs> wow. And it was really great though, Andy, that, I mean, Josh and I did everything as far as the recording in the studio, engineering, producing, playing all the instruments, singing everything together. And that's something that Josh doesn't do a lot in the waves. He often hands the songs over to the girls, to Donna and Vicky to do an amazing job vocally. But right. for this project, I've certainly insisted that Josh sing on everything. And it's been just lovely hearing him do these songs justice. And our voices uh, work really great together. And it's yeah, it was so much fun. So only four hands actually touched the actual music, I suppose, the actual album. Yeah, well, you're right. The voices do work so well together. And I love that line. I told him he had to. That's good. (laughs) She was very insistent. (laughs) It can be like that. I've got one of them. (laughs) 
Guys, after all the disruption and mayhem of the past couple of COVID-afflicted years, you must be so excited to be getting the show back on the road again. Where will the tour be taking you? Uh, well, we're starting up in South Australia mm-hmm. and we'll be heading to Victoria. We've got stuff all over the place, Queensland, a lot of the shows in New South Wales. I think at one stage we figured that if these restrictions endure and getting into state is a difficult thing, maybe we should do a lot more shows around New South Wales. So we've got a fair few of those coming along. Mm. Yeah, but beginning in South Australia. The end of this month. The end of this month. Mm. Right. And and then, as you say, we are excited as well, Andy, absolutely 100%. I just had a trip and Josh was away too. He was out doing some wave gigs and I was away doing a cruise on the Murray River and came back to the kids and the eldest daughter, who's 10, she said, Mum, I really missed you. And, and I said, yeah, well, it's great. We're back. Both Josh and I, we're working and then we're going to do our tour together. And she said, yeah, I don't know. That means you're going to be away again like the <laughs> like old days. I kind of liked you being here. So the kids have got used to seeing our mugs every day uh, 24-7. So I think they're going to be in for a bit of a shock having Nan and Pop around a, a heck of a lot this year. But I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a whole new world again, isn't it? Well, it is. And we had so many shuffles in the last 18 months. In some cases, some of these gigs have been moved three times and people have held onto their tickets. And yeah. we thank everyone who's been so understanding. But one thing about it, we've all been in the boat together and let's just hope that we just keep moving forward and we don't have to cancel anything and yeah. we get to play all of these shows. Yeah, just one big party. Now we're coming out the other side. Absolutely. Now, let's pretend just for a moment that this is a job interview. And I get to ask that awkward question that they always fire at you. So where do you see yourselves five years from now? Five years from now? Hmm. I reckon we'll probably have at least another couple of albums under the belt. Hmm. Interesting. I'm keen to hear what... Keep going. What else have you got to (laughs) say? Well, we are are back in Song Club at the moment. So there's a whole spate of new material that's coming out weekly, although we're writing together at the moment. So we've got certainly plenty of material for a couple of albums. First, I don't know, maybe you've got some other ideas as to where you see things? I think we could handle another album and then get to tour that again. It'd be great. Look, it's also just wonderful to have the kids around loving their music as well, and I'd love to see that we could perhaps get our little angels up occasionally a bit more if they want to be involved too. It was one thing to have them come and give us snacks and lunch and dinner in the studio while we were working, but... I just love that the kids are really involved in what we do and they love Josh and we've got a, a really great dog that is also part of our life. So that's important. A pretty good team. It is important to have a nice little mate, little animal around the place. Yeah. And I expect over the next five years too, there'll be a lot more golden guitars going to the pool room. <laughs> you, you never know about that, Andy. Yeah. Now, where do people go to find out more about the two of you, your music, both individually and collectively, tour dates, all that online? Where do they go? Well, we've each got our own website. So there's FelicityUrkut.com and JoshCunningham.com. And there's links on those websites to our socials as well. So all the usual channels that people have to operate within these days. And it's totally worth checking out Josh's because he's great with language. And (laughs) when Josh writes a little blurb that accompanies a photo or a video, it's far more interesting than me just saying, hey, this was fun. (laughs) Here I am with the kids. (laughs) Check it out. Josh certainly has a way with words, as noted by so many great people in the industry singing his praises as a fine songwriter. So it's been lovely that I've had the experience of getting to record an album with him. So I'm lucky I might get to do another one, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are. And if we're lucky, we'll get to hear it too. 
<laughs> yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend a little time with Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham. Guys, thanks so much for finding a few spare moments to come and play on the road with us. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us, Andy. We've loved it. Yeah, it's great. Now, we really wanted to share your fun song, Spare Parts. That's become my favourite, and we want to share that with our listeners. So would you be good enough to introduce it for us, please? This is Josh Cunningham. Felicity Urquhart. And you're listening to Andy on the road, and this is our single, Spare Parts. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Stay safe. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Well, we never got started from Position. And we've been around the track a time or two. An old make and model got decommissioned. But a few spare parts and we'll be good as new. My motor's been running like it's reconditioned. Ever since you came in view. And you're shifting smoother than a new transmission. From a little bit of TLC and lube. Spare parts gonna hold us together. Spare parts gonna carry us through. It might keep us off the old junkyard I had a little blockage in my carburetor You cleaned my jets, changed the gasket too Now when you press down hard on my accelerator My pistons are pumping like they're supposed to do Just a little of your choke shot gets things started Girl, you upgraded my ignition No more rust and ruin with a broken heart And since you put me back in brand new condition with you Spare gonna hold us together Spare parts gonna carry us through If we get broke down or overheated You could work on me I could work on you The road of life with its wear and tear Can make things feel so hard But if we tinker enough with these salvage spares It might keep us from the old scrapyard wanted to catch up with Trev Warner and talk about some trucking stuff, how some things don't seem to be quite right and some legal issues. Recorded it with him the other day. Here it is.
Trev, you sent me a video. It was a girl from the States who ended up in a team driving environment and she didn't even know what the hell was going on. Talking about training and everything. We've been hearing about this apprenticeship scheme idea that they're talking about here in Australia now. It looks like we could end up going down the path this girl endured. We should have a chat about it and talk about the downfalls, I suppose. G'day, mate. Yeah, that's right. The great thing about YouTube, if you've got a problem with anything, you can throw it up there for other people to see. And Mm. this young girl felt compelled to talk about her experience, to warn newcomers into the industry of what she experienced and how she felt. And it certainly isn't good. The companies can get this discounted rate. Nothing wrong with on-the-job training. But as this young girl found, she felt that she was basically just being used as a cheap driver Mm. and a cheap two-up team. Yeah, well, that's the way it certainly came out, isn't it? Just for the listeners, I'll put the link to the video on the show notes and you can go and see the 25-minute video. It's an American girl. She went to a truck driving school in California. She was taught how to pass the test, basically. She went and passed the test. She went to a company called CRST or CSRT, CRST, I think it was. I think it was, yeah. And they effectively threw her in a truck with a driver not much more experienced than her that she didn't know that was the opposite gender. And then they loaded them from California to Philadelphia, which is from one side of America to the other. And she's had to learn the hard way, basically, from the start. I don't know how anyone could be comfortable in that environment. I really don't. I certainly wouldn't be. A, not knowing the driver. B, opposite gender, yeah, potential problems there. And the thing that really blew me away was she's driving and she's put into situations where this guy is supposed to give her guidance and he's in the bunk snoring his head off. (laughs) Well, she said that she didn't know how to do anything and had to learn the hard way. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Oh, that was just the dash cam going into park mode, mate. Oh, okay, (laughs) righto. Another brilliant piece of technology that you can't turn off. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, as I said, I didn't come out of the womb fully formed with an 18-speed gear knob in the hand and able to back a road train in my underpants, and I'm sure none of us have, so we've all got to learn. But having said that, gee, I tell you what, what a way. Just teach you what you know to pass the test, uh, which is what's happening now. That's what's happening in Australia right now. Absolutely. I was was only talking to a driver yesterday. They were expressing concerns about what's happening on the East Melbourne to Perth run, and that's exactly what we were talking about. Mm. They just want bums on seats, and as long as you can drive that truck and pass the test, Mm. there you go. Perth's that way. Be there in four days. Yeah. It blows me away that we could end up with a situation where someone can come here from anywhere else. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. I don't care where you come from. I don't care whether it's the subcontinent, I don't care whether it's Europe, America, England, anywhere. Before you come here and get a license to drive a commercial vehicle, you should have to have some experience driving in the country first. The rules are different in other countries and the etiquette's different and the way we do things is different. And while we all know it here in Australia, they certainly don't know it when they come here and that's the issue, isn't it? That is the issue, and that's what this particular driver said. They don't turn the UHF on, and and not that you can blame. I'm exactly the same. I'll go into Melbourne. Mm. First thing, you hit broad meadows, and that UHF goes off. There's just so much rubbish on it. Yep. They've obviously got their earphones in, as as we all do, and they're just doing their job. All of a sudden, something's going wrong with their trailer, and they haven't identified or as a hazard ahead and people are trying to warn them in advance and you get no response. Mm. You can't really blame them in in that respect, but it's the etiquette that really needs addressing. Well, it's a two-way street. There's no point saying one thing and meaning another. 
we're getting away from the driver apprenticeship point of view for a moment, but just to deal with this one quickly, if I was being abused on the UHF all the time, I really don't think I'd turn it on. Like you, I get to Broadie, mate. I turn the damn thing off as well. I just do not want to listen to the bullshit on the radio. You know, I had Cam Dumpsney ringing me the other day. You'll hear two road trains passing each other out in the Nullarbor, and one will say to the other one, yeah, mate, I'm going to come around. Is it all right? And the other fellow will say, yep, okay, no worries. Bring it around, and if anything happens, I'll take care of it. And the next thing you know, everything's all happening. It's all happening there reasonably professionally. And Cam said he didn't hear any of that on his UHF, and all of a sudden he's looking at two road trains coming at him side by side. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then one bloke screaming at the other, and complete silence. Of course, as they've passed each other, Cam's noticed that the chap wasn't, well, we can't say one thing and mean another, he wasn't an Australian driving the road train doing the overtaking. That's the sort of communication issues that we've really got to get past. I'm having this Harmony Day thing in Sydney with Amar Singh, and we both know that there are issues. So these are the issues that we're trying to deal with. We've got to get people in the same room talking to each other. We're all truck drivers. We've all got the same problems. We've all got the same fines. We do need to get on the same page, don't we? Oh, absolutely. I was in uh, Eastern Creek this morning getting fuel, and there was an Indian fellow pulled up beside me, and I walked around the other side of the truck, and he looked at me, and I just gave him a nod, gave him a wave, and yeah. you got a smile back. You said, g'day, mate. Yeah. You don't get much more Australian than that, and yet other people, if you believe the crap you hear on the UHF, yeah. there's drivers out there that would just ignore him. I've even heard stories of guys waving, say, go, and next minute the Aussie guys are just abusing this guy because he's got different coloured skin. It's mm. crazy. Well, they're not taking our jobs, mate. It was the Italians, it was the Irish stand-on, I think. We certainly had the Vietnamese and we've had every man and his dog come to drive in Australia and do things and they've all been taking our jobs. They've all been causing mayhem on the highways and we've, you know, we've got to stop all this and all the rest of it. Yeah. And now it's the turn from the subcontinent. It just does my head in the ignorance and the bloody intolerance. You know, Where's the fair go that we're famous for? Oh, absolutely. It's not there. Mm. I had a chap come up to me the other day at a cold store and, you know, he was just so thankful that I was willing to go and give him a hand. But yeah. I said to him, mate, haven't you been given the rundown on how to load these trailers? Yeah. He said, no, no, operations just said grab trailer number, whatever it was, yeah. and go over here and load the freight. And the freight had to go up on double loader bars. Yeah. So you get two layers. And this poor bugger had no idea how to safely load that gear. Even the forky said, oh, geez, I don't like the look of that. Mm. But when he came and got me and he was thankful and mm. I explained the dynamics of the way the freight moves around so as long as you've got this blocked and that blocked and a bar here and a bar there you should be right and mm. you know he was over the moon that someone explained to him how to use the gear now isn't that part of training well you'd think wouldn't you and this is where we come back to this apprenticeship scheme everyone's carrying on about how it's going to be a great thing and I agree that we do need to do more training I struggle with the idea that you're going to end up with blokes training other drivers that have no desire to train or be trainers, have no skill in it. I'm not saying they'd be bad operators or anything in their own right, but there are some people who can teach and some people who just can't. We both know that's true, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, then you get the situation where not every particular circumstance can come up while you're under training. It has to certainly be a certain amount of common sense and we all know that common sense is not that common these days, so... Yeah, that's it. Well, take fuel tanker work. Oh, I haven't actually done fuel tanker work, but a good mate of mine, that's been his gig for the last 30 years. Yeah. You know, he had to go and refresh all his inductions up in Brisbane, and the guy, the owner, jumped in the passenger seat and took him to all the terminals, showed him where everything is, and just like having your own guided tour. Mm. And they'd done that with every terminal. 
the driver just made a few notes of what he had to do. He'd done his induction, ticked it all off, and that was it. And yet, in the refrigerated game, for example, mm. that I've been involved in and what this young fellow was in Melbourne, it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll load your trailer for you. There's the keys. you got your logbook here. Yeah, Melbourne's that way. Be there by midnight. Yeah. No training whatsoever. Yeah, well... The other thing that frustrates me, though, I mean, you go and do your inductions for some of these sites. I mean, every site you go to these days, you've got to have a bloody induction for. And they tell you everything except the person you're supposed to contact and what you're supposed to do with the paperwork. <laughs> but they will tell you how a lockout system works yeah. so they can lock something out, even though you don't carry a lockout lock. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they'll tell you that you can't use that toilet facility over there because that's for the office staff. Mm-hmm. They won't tell you where you need to park. They won't tell you who you need to see. They won't tell you what the phone numbers are. They will ask you what the speed limit is in the place, and if you say 5Ks, you're generally right. No sight map? No sight map. just does my head in the amount of bullshit that they want you to go through, but they don't tell you anything as a truck driver you need to know. That's it. I had a situation there a few years ago now, and the chiller manager got really irate. Mm. We come up out of Sydney, and there was two of us just had single trailers this particular trip. Mm. So both of us went in under the same purchase order number and the same booking code, and we backed onto the dock, and next minute the manager's, rah, 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 you can't do that. We can't have two people. We can't have two trucks. And I've gone, fantastic. Who do we ring to organise all this? Yeah. Well, your operations should have done that, and we've gone, what, you want us to ring operations at 10 o'clock at night? It's just you're making it too difficult. And when I actually explained the full story to him, he was dumbfounded. He had no idea what we actually went through as drivers just to move freight from Sydney to Brisbane. Yeah. Or what he knew that we were in his jurisdiction mm. and if there was a fatigue incident, he was the bunny that was going to wear it. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, this happens again. Who do I ring? He said, there's my mobile number. If you have any problems and you're going to be here, borderline fatigue regulation breaches, yeah. you ring me and I'll move stuff around. Yep. And how simple was that? Yeah. And yet you've got to be in that situation and you've got to get to the manager to explain to him to get that contact number. Otherwise, nobody gives it to you. It's just suck it and see, really. <laughs> Well, I can't tell you the amount of times the gig I've got now, mate, we generally have contact phone numbers for who we need to speak to. Unfortunately, some of them are horribly out of date. Or you'll ring someone and go, oh, no, mate, I haven't worked there for two years. Yeah. Or he's on holidays or she's on holidays or that's not right, mate. But anyway, without going too much into that, the apprenticeship thing now, my worry is that we're going to end up with a system that gets used and abused by companies they're going to get some sort of a government subsidy and we'll just get some cheap drivers. That seems to be the way it'll go to me. I, I mean, call me crazy, but that's my prediction. I feel the same way, but I also see operators are hesitant about putting people and training people. Hmm. You know, the drill mate, some guy or lady rocks up and they're there for 90 days and you just get them to where you want them and next minute they're jumping ship and <laughs> you've just invested all that money. Yeah. I know my boss, his biggest concern is exactly that, plus... One guy damaged the truck. He pulled up at 4 a.m., took all his gear out. No one knew what he was doing, where he was, how the damage occurred. He just cleared the truck out, jumped in his car, and no one saw him again, and he wouldn't answer his phone. Right, eh? Awesome. So you can understand the employer's side of things. Yeah, yeah. But I believe, don't quote me on this, but there was a company, a large company in Melbourne has put a figure of $29,000 to train a new driver with all the inductions and the bit of damage that occurs. I heard another figure of 20000 I think that was a Queensland company, if I remember correctly. Yep. I don't know who it was, over the West. That's right. 
remember I said to you that they've had 289 drivers come and go in six months yeah. over the West. Yep. And the figure that I got told was about $20,000 a driver. Yeah. So this company's invested near on five million bucks to get a good crew. <laughs> And they've had to churn through all that to try and get the diamonds out of the, the gravel. 278 was the number I heard, but yeah, 20,000 bucks. And Murray Lay, mm-hmm. MLG from Kalgoorlie, told me that it's about 20 grand to get someone behind the wheel of a quad. Yeah. So, you know, by the time you take all the training into consideration, the fact that they do have a trainer sitting beside someone for a, at least a week, it's not hard to work out that it costs that sort of money. We don't do it that way over here on the East Coast. On the East Coast, mate, they, they, as you say, they'll throw the keys at someone and say, well, there you go, that's where you need to go, follow your GPS, or we'll give you a pin drop on your phone, on maps, mm-hmm. and good luck, see ya. Yep. I just can't fathom it, it's just too hard. It's certainly hard when you get a phone call from New South Wales Police saying we've got video evidence of your truck down this residential street <laughs> that's just taken out a bus shelter. <laughs> and that's a true story too, I believe. That's a true story. We were absolutely stunned yeah. that the driver made that turn. But, you know, there you go again. You've got new drivers in new cities and you put them in 26-metre B-doubles yeah. when they should be running into those places in single semis. Yep. So they get to know the area. So when they do go in with the bigger trucks, which is quite often you've got to go out the same way you come in, yep. it all comes down to hand-feeding and teaching and it all takes time. But should the taxpayer be on the hook for that? That's probably another question. I don't know who should be on the hook for it. I don't think the taxpayer should be. We'll be back right after this. You can copy there, Andy. Yeah, mate, got you go. Mate, we're coming up that level crossing we were talking about before. Looks like we're going to be stopping. Roger that. Look at the size of that thing. They tell me they take about two k's to stop. That's like 20 times the length of the MCG. Would want to be playing chicken with that. Yeah, copy that. They can't exactly swerve either, can they? They're stuck to the tracks, mate. <laughs> it's not that hard to wait till it's safe to cross and make sure the road's clear on the other side. Yeah, not like that bloke last week who forgot about the length of his trailer. Yeah, I heard about that one. It's not really funny, though, when you think about it. Poor old train driver. Probably been having nightmares ever since. Yeah, I reckon. We're all in the same boat, really, mate. Everyone just wants to get home safe at the end of the day. Yeah, not wrong on that one. There goes the last carriage. Looks like we're safe to head off now. Thanks, Mike. Long way to go. After you, old mate. This is a message from Queensland Rail reminding us that it's important to stay alert and obey any signs and signals when approaching level crossings to help keep you and everyone else safe. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au. I've long held the belief that we really, really do need to have a proper driver training system because the situation that we have now where you can come to this country from anywhere else in the world and if you can show that you've been driving a heavy rigid vehicle for 12 months, they'll give you a license mm-hmm. or you can come out if you live in this country, you can go and get your heavy vehicle license from your car license. As long as you've got a full car license, you can go and get a heavy vehicle license. You can hold that for 12 months and never actually have to turn a wheel and then go and get your HC and spend four days driving school. And if you can take it all in and your semi-automatic Volvo or whatever it is they're going to teach you in, like driving a big car, then you can get an MC license and be working for an agency a day later. That's it. So without naming any names, there are plenty of refrigerated companies around Sydney that use agency drivers to do changeovers, to cut a changeovers for them all the time. 
and uh, all they're interested in is you've got a license and a heartbeat, and they send you down the road, and you see what goes wrong at the Tarkata Trailer Exchange, mate, and it just makes me shake my head in disbelief what's going on. Now, imagine that same scenario where they get put into a double road train yeah. and sent up the new highway. I've just loaded out a tully down to Sydney and along the way. Heard a bit of chatter on the radio and didn't really get it all. It was crackly off in the distance. Anyway, in the morning, the sun had come up and I come around this corner and, and there it was, it was a double road train on its side and I kind of recognised the truck and I sent a quick text message to a bloke I thought that might know and he said, yeah, yeah, that was the boss's son that put that into the weeds. Yeah. It was a, a narrow road, very, very poor fog lines and shoulders. Well, there was no shoulders. Yeah. That was a problem. Two trucks met on a bend. Yeah. One got a little bit too far off onto the shoulder, and the back trailer grabbed him, and uh, he went over first and then just dragged everything off the road with it. Awesome. Now, he was an experienced driver, so you can imagine a brand-new driver that's just jumped out of a tipper on the Friday and into a double road train on the Monday and in that same situation. Yeah. Um, you can't blame the driver. No. Well, just to wrap it up, mate, I was having a chat the other day on the show about a trucker you got $37,500 worth of fines for some logbook mistakes, mate, one of which was failing to write his odometer down on a line. Yeah. Holbrook Court slapped him with that. And yet we get a farmer who gets an enforceable undertaking, which essentially equals writing on a piece of paper, I've been a naughty boy a hundred times and stand in the corner. That's right. Yeah, it's just mind-blowing. <sighs> the feeling that we're getting... Well, witnesses in the courtroom now are seeing drivers come in with poor, oh, I won't say poor records, but just a, a list of minor stuff that we've all done over the time. Yep. Nothing major, nothing like you've driven two days without sleep, but just simple things. And the prosecutors are absolutely savage. Yeah. They're saying that, oh, you know, he's a repeat offender. He's got a record spanning 10 years, you know. The court's got to make an example out of this driver and send a message. And you, you just go, well, what the hell? Mm. And they wonder why drivers are just going, nah, keep your logbook. I'm just going to go and do local. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, well, to me, there's two things there. I mean, I really can't understand how someone can be fined that much for things that happened three weeks ago. Mm. The worst part about it for me is you've got to go and buy a damn logbook. And I had to go and buy one yesterday morning, Saturday on my day off. You know, where do I want to sit for two hours? Yeah, that's right, in the f-ing motor registry mm-hmm. to get a logbook. So we sit there and we get a new logbook and then you've got to make sure that you're right in the front of it where your home base is because if you don't, that's a road safety issue. That's a big fine, that one. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then you've got to produce the evidence that they used to knock you off with right. and match it up against cameras and all that sort of stuff. It's one of those things I've really basically got the shits with over the years. So it's also prescriptive because, I mean, you and I have been driving for a while, but we're not the same, you and me. We could do things differently. I get tired around three in the afternoon, love to have a bit of a grandpa nap at three in the afternoon. Yep. You're doing more night driving than me. I mean, we're not the same, but yet we're, we're subject to the same rules. That's it. I could get on my soapbox. I could spend hours on this, mate. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so I haven't been pulled up for quite a while. I, the RMS must love me. They just give me the arrow to shoot back out onto the highway. <laughs> So, oh, you've been a good boy then. Yeah, it must have been. The computer picks up everything and it, it all it all matches. Yeah. But I'm running electronic work diary now, so I've just got to put in my odometer and double-check the address. Yep. And everything's taken care of for me, so I don't have to worry about that now. But, you know, truck driving is the only industry that I'm aware of where you're legally required to self-incriminate yourself. 
Yeah, no, self-incrimination is always a wonderful thing, I think, and it really does my head in, too, the way some officers will use a random logbook check to get into all sorts of other stuff with you. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we pull up for a random logbook check, and that gives us the right. Well, they feel it gives them the right to do all sorts of other things. And you wonder why young blokes don't want to play. Well, that's a classic example. Mm. The young blokes don't want to play. Like we had this mate of mine, his young lad loves the trucks and he's been driving buses. So he, he jumped in a truck and did a trip to Sydney. Yeah. And coming back through Maroon and he'd made a couple of simple mistakes. The boss said, look, just get up there, do this, do that. Have your seven hours sleep and then back to Melbourne. Yeah. Well, he done that and he come through Maroolan and um, old mate's gone. Well, you've had your seven here, but you haven't had your five hours in total throughout the twenty-four hour period. Yeah. Knocked him off several thousand dollars, and the young kid got back to Melbourne. He's been in a truck doing local, but he won't do interstate anymore. He's basically throwing his logbook away. Yeah. Nothing like working the week for nothing. That's it. And he was the perfect candidate for a good quality long distance truck driver. Yeah. He didn't have the ego. He's got all the rah rah out of his system. Safe driver, knows his gear, takes pride in his equipment, and yet just that one incident was enough to poison him for a long time. Yeah, and you can't blame him. No. How's that one during the week? You're just talking about the interception. The old mate got asked for his telephone, and the copper went straight to his check-in QR app. <laughs> Yeah, well, I spoke to a friend of mine who is a, a highway patrol officer who shall remain nameless because they're not supposed to talk to us. And he said to me the very last thing he would do is ask for someone's phone. Mm-hmm. He agrees that he's got the right as an officer to have a look at a work diary. He's got the right to see a license. He's got the right to maybe even, if he's got a reasonable suspicion that there might be something going on in the cab, like some drug paraphernalia or something like that, he's got the right to have a bit of a look. But he doesn't do it as a matter of course, and he certainly doesn't ask for the phone. In fact, as he says, when drivers show him their license and it's on their phone, as we can do these days, mm-hmm. he makes a point of not actually touching the phone. Yeah. Yep. Now, whether things are different in other states to where they are in New South Wales is, is another issue. We've got the different speed limits for everyone in different states on different roads. We're lucky they let us all drive in the same direction. But, you know... They do like to get into things, aren't they, and and use that random intercept as the reason. That's the excuse to get into everything else. That's the excuse, yeah, that's it. I'm all for a good fishing expedition, but not that particular type of fishing expedition. No. I mean, I've heard blacks being pulled up because they failed to turn their long vehicle sign around on the back of the B-double. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you walk around, you're supposed to check. I mean, I know, I've done it myself, you know, not turn the buddy sign around. I drove a road train for half a day without realising I didn't have the sign turned around on the back. Mm-hmm. Didn't get caught, and I walked around, I was just kicking the tires, I haven't turned the sign around. So you turn the sign around, it's it's several hundred dollar fine. Yep, that's right. But I know of instances where there was that guy from Wagga who put a line in his book and it said he was going for a break in Wagga and didn't have the break in the finish, he just had the line in the book. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a sign turned around, so they pulled him up with no sign. And then they've got his book. I don't know if you remember the case. I actually wrote about this, I think. He was still legal when they knocked him off, but because he'd put the line in the book, they reckon he made a false and misleading entry in his logbook. That's it. Because he put a vertical line in. Yep, yep. The prosecutor at Kempsey tried to get a mate of mine 
his entry in his logbook and the safety cam time was a discrepancy of four minutes. Yeah. Now, I wrote a long letter for him to hand to the magistrate to explain the situation and the pros and the cons of the argument. Mm. The prosecutor was just standing there arguing it's a false and misleading entry, mm. but even though the safety cam office just pinged him for the time breach. Yeah. Instead of just going for, be careful of that next time, it's going to cost you the minor fine of $170. Yeah. Oh, no, no, this guy wanted the major misleading entry and it's dangerous and it's seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars Yeah. Plus court costs. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm mean, getting back to old mate with his 37500 They've done him 12 times for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is all one instance where he's been intercepted. Well, he wasn't even intercepted. He was involved in a minor accident in a bloody parking area, and the police came as a result of that. Yeah. And then they got his logbook because they were there for something else, and they went through his logbook. The whole story's a sh- bite. Mm-hmm. It's a common thing that that happens. You know, a motor mind's really dyslexic. He can't read maps properly. He's just spinning around three times, and he's lost. Mm. Well, the coppers at West Wylong got him one night, and he was only sort of new, done buses for a lot, but new to this style of work. Mm. And uh, this, co- oh, mate, this is serious. Oh, this is going to cost you 20 grand. Mm. There was six or seven fines. Yeah. And this poor, but he was nearly in tears. He was on the phone to me and I'm going, look, settle down, bring it all back here. We'll have a look at it. Mm. We'll start writing some letters. I calmed him down. Anyway, after the letter that I wrote to the magistrate for him, he, he went down to Sydney and appeared. We got it moved from West Wollong over to Sydney. Yeah. And the magistrate looked at it, looked at the logbook, and he goes, well, I can see why you're confused. Mm. $800 for this one here. Mm. Dismiss the rest. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And yet this copper's just gone right off the dial at the edge of the road and was talking $20,000 worth of fines, and this poor guy was almost suicidal. Yeah, you can't blame him. I've got to say, we've got to wrap this combo up, mate, because you've got work to do. Yeah. But if you've got any issues at all with your logbook, if you've got any issues at all with traffic fines, if you've got any issues at all with any of that stuff, you really do need to defend yourself. And as much as Rob Bell and I can't see eye to eye on politics, I will give the bastard one thing. He does know his way around the bloody traffic law. So highway advocates... You can get their details from the National Road Freighters Association, and I think it's on the Drivers Advocate page as well, isn't it? Yeah, Rob's always sharing stuff, stories, and many victories, actually. He's done some great work there, so I will give him credit for that. As long as I don't have to talk to him about politics, we'll get on all right. (laughs) I would encourage anyone who, at least if you just want some advice, don't take this line down. Stand up and get stuck into it because if you end up sitting in a courtroom and you've got to defend your history and it's not looking the best because you've been done for a logbook or something like that, as a professional driver, you do need to protect your licence. Absolutely, mate. Just by pleading guilty and paying the fine, it goes on your record and eventually you're going to pay for it. So you're better off just do what I did, engage the solicitor, put it on a fresh credit card and just pay it down at 10 bucks a week. Yeah, It's the way to go. Well, right, mate, well, thanks for that. I'm going to let you get back to work. Have you got the floaties out? Uh, I'm hoping where I loaded there before, I had to have the dust mask on. It was that dry and dusty, so... Okay. Yeah, I'm hoping that I don't come across any, any floodwaters. All right, well, good luck. We'll catch up with you, and I might catch up with you on the road during the week. Yeah, take care, mate. Thanks for the chat. Right, I see ya. See ya. Well, that was the conversation I had with Trev Warner. We recorded there the other day. Hope you got something out of it, and as we said, defend your licence if you're a professional driver make sure that you know what you're pleading guilty to because when you pay the fine, you've pled guilty and it's on your record and that's it. It's there forever. Take care. We'll see you on the road.
There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. It's time for That's What You Think. Here's a chat that Mike had about Harmony Day, live to air with Chris Smith on Radio 2GB Sydney. As many of you would know, long hours away from home, dealing with idiots on the road that forget the trucks can't stop as quickly as them. You'd like to think the truckies are a united bunch, all looking out for each other. But unfortunately... There are some examples where that's not the case. Our good mate, the Oz trucker, Mike Williams, and Amar Singh have got together to hold the industry's first Harmony Day next Sunday. That's what it's called. It's called Harmony Day. It's on next Sunday at the Liverpool Catholic Club, and it's out to promote a more multicultural workplace. Mike Williams is on the line right now. G'day there, mate. How are you, mate? I'm doing very well. This surprised me. What sort of issues between truckies are we talking about? Oh, look, we've got a lot of issues, mate. Obviously, uh, guys coming to Australia to work and earn a living and you know, get a fair go come from countries that don't have the same cultural mores that we do. And yep. it's been happening for years, Chris. These days, it's people from the subcontinent that are drawing the ire of the drivers, but it's happened before. It's drivers from Europe, drivers from Asia, drivers from Ireland. It's one of those things that just goes on, mate. There's nothing so constant as change, you know? And so there's a little bit of friction between certain nationalities. Well, there is, and it's mostly a communication issue, I think, mate. What's happening is that we don't communicate in the same way, and, of course, as a result of that, some of the drivers turn their UHFs off. I know I certainly turn my UHF off when I come into Sydney because there's some rubbish and just goes on sometimes but that's creating a few problems out on the road. And, of course, that's manifesting itself in ugly incidents that are happening in rest areas and roadhouses and things like that. So that's what Amara and I are about. Right. We're trying to get the conversation started, mate, and get people talking to each other and understanding that we're all truck drivers and we're all trying to do the same thing, mate, earn a living, put a roof over our kids' heads and feed the family. Now, you've recently formed an Australian Driver Welfare Union... That doesn't replace the existing unions, right? No, 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 no. That's all through Amara's work. And I personally, I'm not part of that. Armas a part of that. Okay. I mean, he should be with us today, but he's up at Lismore helping out with turbines for Australia. Is he? It's a little bit hard to get hold of. But tell me about Harmony Day. You want truckies to turn up at Liverpool Catholic Club next Sunday from 11am. That's right, we do, mate. And that's going to be a family day. There's going to be a truck show and show on, but not only truckies, everyone. Come and meet some truck drivers and, you know, I'm going to be there. There's going to be, Armas going to be there. There's going to be a lot of industry representatives there. 
We've got some great support from the likes of Penske, National Transport Insurance, Truck Assist, some of the big industry bodies are getting behind this, Road Freight for New South Wales, etc. The idea is to not only get the truckies talking to each other, but also put our positive face of the industry out to the public. And we're still out here. We're doing it, mate. You know, doing the best we can. And you've got a family kind of oriented day. You've got jumping castles, a children's zoo, yep. food stalls as well. Yep, that's right. Uh, we're going to have some uh, business promo stuff, obviously, as well. But, you know, food stalls, as you say, barbecue, truck show and shine, and some multicultural performances. We'll get some publicity for you during the week, if we can, on some of our weekday programs. But it's at the Liverpool Catholic Club yep. from 11 until 5, calling it Harmony Day. Yep. And we'll try and create a little bit of harmony from next Sunday. Good on you, Mike. Well done. Mate, I appreciate your support. As always, you've been a great supporter of the industry. And thank you so much for, for your time, mate, giving us a go. We'll mention it again next Saturday and also try and get you some coverage during the week, if we can. Thanks, mate. Good on you. The Oz Trucker, Mike Williams. This is Brad from Copperline, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. All the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. G'day, Mike. T-minus two days to Harmony Day and counting. How exciting. <laughs> it is. Looking forward to it, mate. It's going to be big. It is going to be big, as people would have heard right throughout this show. <laughs> Bit of a focus on it this week, I know, but... You know, it's one of those things is important. It all comes out of uh, communication, a bit of mutual respect, and if we can kick that off, then I'll call that a win, mate. Mate, if you can kick that off, then I'll vote for you as Prime Minister. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. You might not like my prescriptions, mate. <laughs> Got to be better than my doctor's ones. <laughs> oh, listen, you know how sometimes people get like a mental block when it comes to certain words, and as simple as those words might be, mm. no matter how hard they try, they just can't get them out right? I do. Yeah, I do actually, yeah. It happens to me sometimes too. Doesn't it? Now, before everyone starts to moan, this isn't an Andy Dare joke, <laughs> okay? It's a true story. Uh-huh. As you know, Mike, we invite people every now and then to record one of our little station promos for the show. Yep. You know, the you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was attempting to record one with someone this morning and no names, okay, to protect the innocent or the very embarrassed <laughs> as the case may be. So take one, they say, you're listening to On The Road with Ike and Mandy. Oh, sorry, let me try that again. (laughs) So they tried again, 
many, many times and just couldn't get it right. By the end of it, we were in hysterics and we just gave up. So anyway, yeah. how are you doing, Ike? I'm all right, Mandy. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. I was trying to think of Ike's and Mandy's. Well, I know Ike Turner, he's, he's long gone. And I think, yeah. who was the actor? Mandy Patinkin, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Mandy Patinkin. Went fairly recently too, I think, so. Mm. Moving right along. First up, mate, we hear that one of Australia's most infamous collision sites is to be removed by the end of the year, namely the Bayswater Bridge in Perth. That's right. That's Western Australia's answer to Melbourne's Montague Street, mate. Yeah. <laughs> the Bayswater. It's got a clearance of 3.8 metres. Should be enough. But it's got a huge appetite for trucks, mate. It eats one a week, apparently. <laughs> so. It's been there since, like, the 1960s, mate, and it's just got a long and impressive record of truck destruction. Yeah. You can't really blame the bridge, though. I mean, you've got to know how tall you are to get on the right, don't you? No, yeah, so. So anyway, more on that later, I suppose. I'd just love to hear all the responses to the attending officers and how they start with, yeah. well, it's like this officer, <laughs> <laughs> and hear what comes after that. Uh, I reckon they've seen it and heard it all. Mm. Anyway, she's going, the Bayswater Bridge is going, and they're looking for ideas on how to farewell the bridge. I'd say a lot of blokes would just say about 50 pounds of jelly and I'd sort that out. <laughs> well, just a tall truck would do. <laughs> well, one that's a little bit better constructed because the bridge eats trucks, mate. Mm, mm. But uh, no, the Bayswater Bridge is going, so not a moment too soon, I can think the insurance companies will be quite happy to see the back of it. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. Mate, still in the West, the flood relief permit system in WA has been extended until March 27th. Yeah, it has. They're going to let the uh, double road trains go down into Perth and other places just to sort of make life a little bit easier. I think that it's probably a good idea that we perhaps look at extending these things indefinitely because obviously we're all about trying to do things in an efficient manner. Mm. And good God, mate, the price of fuel's gone into orbit. Hasn't it? I mean, doing dog runs has got to be a pain in the bottom. So as long as everything's going right, why wouldn't you just leave it alone, just let it go? But anyway, there you go. Go to bigrigs.com.au and check out the story for yourself. It's a little bit of a read, but you'll be right. Have a check. There you go. Mike Queensland Trucking Association boss Gary Mann has shared some concept drawings for a proposed heavy vehicle rest area in the Queensland town of Jinjin, mm. saying that the design should, would, could form the basis of all new rest areas in Queensland. Yeah, I've had a good look at this little design. I'll tell you what, hmm. there's two schools of thought about parking bays. You know, there's the whole spit roast idea where you drive in and park one behind the other and all the rest of it. Hmm. And there's this design, which is sort of like a herringbone design. Hmm. I think that this is probably better because you can drive through. So no matter how many trucks are there, there's no real wasted space. Everyone drives through and it's you know, got the traffic patterns all sort of set up and there's areas for amenities. Go and have a look at the picture on the story. Hmm at bigrigs.com.au there and have a look for yourself. I honestly think it's probably one of the better designs for a rest area that I've seen. Yep. My only criticism of it would be the drawing that I'm looking at. It's probably got a too few parking bays in it, but given the size of the land, they probably can't get any more. Mm. But it's a great template for really the way parking bays should be designed. It allows for trucks that are a little bit bigger, a little bit extra room to move around. I agree with Gary. It's a great thing. It's going through the costing project at the moment. It says in the story that it's been exclusively heavy vehicle zone and it can be scaled up. So props to the TMR for having a look at it. It really looks good. Yeah, well, exclusively heavy vehicle zone. 
I was having a bit of a think about that, and you know, you're saying there's too few spots there. Mm. I reckon someone should design, and if they do, I'll tell them where to send the check. Yeah. Each parking bay has a sensor built into it. Yes. And that sensor can tell if it's a caravan or a motorhome that's parked on top. <laughs> and if it is, there's a trap door that opens. <laughs> they just disappear. <laughs> And then there's another spot for a truck. Oh, you're an evil, evil man, mate. They could use one of those at Arawara. Yeah. But on the sensor thing in the parking bays, though, hmm. when you go down to Victoria, in the parking bays in Victoria, they've got sensors in them and they've got signs previous to the parking bays that tells you how many spots there are in the parking bays. Hmm. So that's a good idea. Yep. Saves you from driving through and, and discovering that there's no spots and having to move on, you know? Yep. It makes it a little bit hard if you're on the electronic book and you've got to try and comply with the rest rules and that there's not a lot of margin. You know, you haven't got ESP either. It's really hard to work out what's going on. You can plan your trip as much as you like, but you can't work out what's going to happen five hours down the track, you know? Yeah. Well, as long as it's not like the parking stations at the airport where you come up and there's a sign that says, on this floor there's two spots available left and there's 87 cars doing drags around the place trying to find those two spots. <laughs> It's like that game of musical chairs, isn't it? Yeah, only a lot more pain if you miss the chair. Anyway. Indeed, yeah. Mate, following the tragic death of a haulage contractor, the NHVR has accepted an enforceable undertaking from two former directors of a now-defunct mining company. Yeah. I'm very excited about these enforceable undertakings. They seem to be very popular lately, don't they? It just scares me that they're labelled as EU. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, maybe you're reading too much into it. Maybe. I do that. <laughs> you do. The prosecution's person from NHVR... Sorry, was that the persecution's person or the prosecution's Probably was the persecution person. <laughs> the prosecution person. There you go. Yeah, no, probably it was, because it is a bit like the Spanish Inquisition sometimes. Which nobody expects. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition! That's right, which no one expects... <laughs> I'm trying to be serious and do a story, and it's cracking me up. Sorry, mate. You're talking about, unfortunately, this bloke, Brock Road, 31, lost his life in an accident in Monto in Queensland, mm. and these two fellas have been held responsible for that, and they've been given this enforceable undertaking. Now, apparently it's valued at $72,000. So that's the value of a human life, is it? Well, according to them. Jeez. It equates to like $36,000 each. Mm. No jail time, no nothing. We'll just have this enforceable undertaking where we'll be creating a workbook for company directors to tell them what their responsibilities are. Yep. If you contrast that with an old bloke who made a couple of cock-ups at his logbook, mm. he got fined $37,500 in the Holbrook Local Court for cock-ups in a logbook. Yep. This pair gets 72000 between them mm. and an enforceable undertaking for someone who lost their life. Lost this their stuff life. makes my blood boil, this does. Yep. When Big Rigs queried why each director only received a financial penalty that equaled 21.8% of the maximum penalty for the instance $165,000 that the court could have imposed, yep. the regulator told them that it considers the applicant's financial ability to meet the terms of a proposed EU and requires applicants to confirm this in their proposal. So they've told the guys that have done the wrong thing to tell them how much they can afford to pay and then let them do it. Yep. What part of that doesn't suck? Mm. To me, you know, it just goes to show once again that the drivers are the low-hanging fruit. Yep. We're the ones that are getting kicked in the ass all the time 
Old mate down there's made a few cock-ups at his logbook, 37 and a half grand. Where's his enforceable undertaking? Mm. Where's his statement of ability to pay? Mm. You know, where does that come into anything? Yep. Well, these two blokes are executives in a company that has gone by the wayside. God knows why, and I don't care. Yeah. But they'd be out doing something else. You know, they'll still be driving their Audi TT or whatever it is they drive, and they don't give a flying f*** about any of it. Mm. And to me... These two should have gone to the slot, yep. an enforceable undertaking to tell individuals how to implement safety measures. As an executive officer in a company, as a board member of a company, part of your responsibility is due diligence. Yep. Part of that's to know how to do your damn job. Mm. Basically, these two just got a smack on the wrist and got away with it as far as I'm concerned. Yep. It is thoroughly 100%, 180 degrees wrong. Can't argue, mate. Can't argue. I'll get off my horse now because I'll have a stroke if I keep going. Does my head in, this sort of thing. Yeah. You wanted to have a little chat about the price of fuel. Mate, it's gone into all but the price of fuel. It has. You know, it's got to the point now where I'm actually going to have to start selling nudes. Selling what? Selling nudes. Not yours, I hope. Well, $5 (laughs) if you want one, mate, 50 bucks if you don't. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Here's a couple of hundred, uh, mate. <laughs> you say so you're in for a couple of hundred. Good, I'll just put you down. No worries. <laughs> I was part of a conversation today with a couple of other fellas where a fella is on a fixed price deal, cutting stuff down in North Queensland down to Brisbane. Yep. Basically, the price of his job's gone up six hundred dollars just for the fuel. Yeah. And he's told them that he can't sustain that. They offered him a hundred dollars to make up for it. Mm. And he said, No, no, I can't do that. So they've told him, well, that's the deal. And they take it or leave it. And he said, so I'm leaving it. Yeah. We've really got to do something. Now, Gary Mann said reducing the excise on fuel is not the answer. I don't know what the answer is if it's not that. I mean, that is one thing that the government could do straight away to alleviate the pain for the transport industry. Yeah. I mean, we do get a diesel fuel rebate already. But there are people out there now, mate, who are bleeding. Mm. I've had several phone calls just in the last couple of days saying, that's it, I might as well just sit at home, drink beer on the couch and go broke that way. Yep. Because there is just no point going to work for nothing. And this is a problem that I want to get back to and talk with Chris Rowe about. You know, the fact of the matter is that there are people out there now who would be running around picking up all these loads that they think they're getting and it's a great deal, but they're turning the wheels, mate. They're not making any money. And all they're doing is making it worse for everybody by doing the jobs at the wrong rates. Yeah. They've got to know how much it costs to run their truck. And unfortunately, truckies obviously sometimes good truckies, but shocking businessmen. Mm. But I'm going to talk about that with Chris Rowe down the track, so I look out for that one. Yeah, indeed. We've got a lot of stuff going on over the next several weeks. We're going to have more from Queensland Rail, and we're going to have more from NTI and Truck Assist. We're trying to line up an interview for you with one of the drivers from the Truck Assist car because I know you're a mad keen V8 fan. I am. So you better do your homework, mate. Well, Todd Hazelwood or Jack LeBrock. Is that who they are? I don't know. Matt Stone Racing, yep. Talking to them and talk a bit about Truck Assist and there's a lot of other stuff going on. Happy Harmony Day, mate. Unfortunately, you're not going to be there, but I'm going to be there. We'll see how we go. Hanging out for the videos, mate. Bit of taking it to the streets, mate. I'll be sticking the microphone. <laughs> Hawkesbury Convoy for kids are coming down. Yep. It's going to be big. It is. All right, mate. Time to wrap it up. Thought for the week. I've got one this week. Have you? Yeah. I had enough brain power for a moment just to find one for this week. Oh, good on you. Whenever I hear someone sigh and say life is hard, I'm always tempted to ask them compared to what? <laughs> yes. That'd be a good question too. It would. I wish you the very best for the weekend. I hope Sunday's huge. Look forward to hearing all about it. I hope the gods are kind to us with the weather. I'll put in a word for you. Good on you. Thanks, mate. See ya.
On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. G'day, guys. It's Tone from Tone's Trucking Stories here and you're listening to the On The Road podcast on the Australian Big Rig Road Show. Hey, how are you going, mate? Hey, Mike, how you going, mate? I'm absolutely wonderful. Harmony Day this Sunday, mate. Are you excited? Yes, mate. We're ready for it. It's going to be a fantastic day, and I think the whole community is looking forward, mate. The trucking community have been really supportive of this event. Oh, yeah. We've had emails and chat and text, so everyone, I think, is looking forward to a Harmony Day with the truck shine and a bit of a show with a different spin. Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't believe the amount of support that we've had from the industry and from the industry bodies and personal phone calls and things I've had to say they're looking forward to seeing what happens. Mm. But the general public's allowed to come too. It's not just for truckies, it's for everyone, isn't it? That's right, man. We want to also create awareness in general public about trucks that work just everyday working mum and dads. Yeah. Do you drive a truck for a living? We want people to be safe around trucks and actually come and see how big these things are instead of just passing one on the road. Yeah. So they can get an idea, jump in the driver's seat if they want to yep. and get a look for themselves at how hard the work is. You know, it's not just simply being a steering wheel attendant, as someone might call it. <laughs> That's right. And they can meet some of the industry identities are going to be there as well, including yourself and me. And there are a couple of other people that I have told me that they're going to come, but it's big surprises, mate. Mm. I'm so looking forward to this jumping castle for the kids. I'm looking forward to seeing the kids have some fun, you know? Definitely, mate. And I also want to share one more thing. Mm. The convert for kids that's held every year, it was going to Hawkesbury this year. But due to the flooding there, they've actually reached out to us. So they'll be actually bringing the Conroy to the Liverpool Catholic Club. So we're going to have even a bigger show, more truckies. All of the trucks won't probably make it in because of the space that we have. But they're going to be parked around the corner. It's all about coming together for a good cause. And they are really supporting the newborn emergency transport service at the NETS ambulances. So it's it's a very worthy cause. And I think we couldn't be more delighted, mate, to help, help help our kids. Yeah, mate, I'm so excited. There's just going to be so much happening. It's going to be a great day. Come down, have a look, meet some guys and just see some beautiful trucks. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's it, mate. Thank you, Mike. I look forward to to this event and I think seeing the community out there, it's going to be lots of fun. See you Sunday, mate. Thank you, see you, mate. Stay safe. Good on you. You too. Bye. Taking us out of the show this week, here's the latest single from Felicity Urquhart and Josh Cunningham's new album, The Song Club. It's some of the finest finger-picking bluegrass you'll hear and it's called Wanna Go There. I don't know. 
division Tired of conforming To everyone's opinion It should have been a warning Well I tried You don't know what it put me through Well I tried to do my best But I don't think that my best will do I'm gonna fly That's the show for another week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by Queensland Rail, committed to improving level crossing safety through engineering, innovation and education. For more information, go to www.qr.com.au and NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says... Oh, wow, okay, no worries. Andy says, That is brilliant, mate. And our guest says, You hammer me with whatever you want. Until then, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Mm -hmm.